Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Anything to talk about on a Monday? Anyone? Um, Anyone? Well, Colin Morikawa was just excellent down the stretch Mueller. yesterday. So, you know, there's that. Yes, he was. Maybe the best golf shot I've ever seen. The that drive was unbelievable. that he hit on 16 with the championship hanging in the balance, 278 yards to the pin, hits a lid, just the babiest of baby cuts, rolls it to seven feet and makes the eagle putt to ultimately win the PGA Championship, the 102nd edition. We will get to that. It may only be in winners and losers today, but we're going to get to the PGA. What an unbelievable weekend of golf on the uh, the PGA Tour out in San Francisco at Harding Park, but that would be burying the lead today. First, let me tell you, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're glad to have you along for the ride wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for joining us. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601 601- Eight seven nine four three nine five bull. There's a lot of it in wireless and other places, but especially in wireless. But Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal: the best plan for one or two lines, forty five dollars each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Again, thanks for being with us on this Monday. I'm going to skip the normal, how was your weekend? I'm just going to assume you had a reasonably good weekend. It was hot. And let's just dive into what a weekend it was in terms of news and where we are right now. You remember on Friday at 5 o'clock, we got the uh, announcement for who the two additional crossover division opponents were for the SEC teams. And we kind of left excited. I mean, we left going, whoo, Arkansas, poor guys. LSU got the easiest draw out of everybody. They are the reigning national champions. Not so bad for Ole Miss. Not too bad for Mississippi State. They get Vanderbilt, but they got to go to Georgia, so it's not you know not the best draw, but not the worst draw. And so on. And we left with some excitement and some optimism on Friday. By the time Locked I got in. by the time I got home on Friday night, and I was about five minutes in the studio, putting away my computer, straightening everything up, getting out of here, and then about a, I don't know, seven or eight minute drive to my house. And I got a phone call and was, I went from being really excited to really disappointed because it felt like college football was becoming less and less and less likely. I was told, I don't think I said this on the air on Friday, I was told on on Friday afternoon slash evening that it looked like the Pac-12 was about to shut things down 
and the Big Ten was going to follow suit. Now, in reality, it may turn out to be the Big Ten shuts things down and the Pac-12 follows suit. On Saturday, Saturday, we get the official news that the MAC, the whatever, Mid-East, Mid-American Mid- Conference. Mid-American, that's it, sorry. Mid-American Conference was shutting it down. They weren't going to play. And it sounds like that was kind of led by Northern Illinois, but nobody took just a whole ton of convincing. And then for much of Saturday and much of yesterday, there were all these tweets from, from national college football writers who by and large are doing a good job covering this. And they were all doom and gloom. It was all, it's over, it's a matter of time, within the next 72 hours, all of college football will be shut down. Not a lot to make you optimistic about the upcoming college football season. And then there was news early this morning that the Big Ten had already voted, its presidents had already voted, and it was 12-2, to with the two being Nebraska and Iowa, 12-2 to in favor of shutting it down. And it took from 8 o'clock this morning or so, when that news first leaked out, until lunchtime for a Big Ten spokesperson to confirm to one of the national writers, Pete Thamel, I think, that (laughs) no vote had been taken. Apparently what they did is they took a bit of a straw poll on Saturday night, I think it was, and indeed it was 12 to 2, but no official vote had been taken. It's interesting to me that the results of that straw poll became public as quickly as they did. And I cannot help but wonder if floating that information out there was a little bit of a trial balloon, a little bit of a test balloon to gauge the public's reaction. The public reaction has been overwhelmingly in favor of we want to play. That's a hashtag that's trending. And it's a hashtag that is trending because the presumed number one pick in the draft this coming year and one of the Heisman Trophy favorites, Trevor Lawrence, Sunshine, if you will, tweeted first, we want to play, and then followed it up with a graphic with all five Power Five conferences on it and reasons that they wanted to play. But there was a wrinkle in it, and everybody gravitated to this, that Trevor Lawrence was advocating for the formation of a players' union. I don't know that we're ready to unpack the whole players' union thing yet. That is a complicated subject, and it is made more complicated because you have a mix of public universities and private universities. Regardless of that line being in the graphic that Trevor Lawrence tweeted out, hashtag we want to play, I mentioned it's trending. It is everywhere. And it's a mantle that has been taken up by multiple Big Ten coaches who say they are going to bat for their teams, perhaps even flying in the face of how their president would vote. That has been the case with Ryan Day at Ohio State. It has been the case with James Franklin at Penn State. We have seen a letter that Jim Harbaugh has written advocating that players are safer by staying with their program. Nick Saban is now on the record. In an interview with uh, somebody from ESPN, I don't think it was Ryan McGee, I think it was somebody else, in which he said, we believe our players are safer. It was Adam Rittenberg. 
Adam Rittenberg. Maybe Rittenberg just reported. I think he was actually talking to somebody else. But but regardless, it doesn't matter. Somebody from ESPN, conversation with Nick Saban, believes players are safer within the program than out just kind of doing their own thing. Ole Miss, the fo- Ole Miss football Twitter feed just a little while ago. Hashtag we want to play on the back of there's a lot of uncertainty right now, but this we know for sure. Ole Miss Athletic Director Keith Carter saying the same thing. Arkansas Athletic Director Hunter Juracek on with Paul Feinbaum just a little while ago saying there's no reason for us to rush to a decision just because another Power 5 conference reaches their decision. There is a lot going on right now. There's a lot of horse trading. There's a lot of maneuvering. The reality is, it doesn't matter how many football coaches come to bat for their players. It doesn't matter how many players stand up and say, we want to play. It doesn't matter how many sports talk radio shows or national media entities write for it or again it. The only thing that ultimately is going to matter is the presidential votes. The votes of the presidents of the 14 SEC schools, the 14 Big Ten schools, the 12 schools in the Pac-12, although they're done, the 14 in the ACC, and the 10 in the Big 12. And to a lesser degree, the AAC. That's what's going to matter. And so there's a lot for us to unpack today, but here's where I want to start. And we'll do this with you on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. I want to hear from you, your thoughts on all of this. I want us to look at the three leagues that it feels like legitimately might still try to play football. I think the Pac-12 is out. I think the Big Ten is likely out unless the overwhelming flood of support for playing persuades a bunch of the Big Ten presidents. But when we look at the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, how are the presidents going to vote? What's going into those decisions? How strong are the presidents and their belief that college football needs to be played? How strong is the belief the presidents have that the proper safety and medical protocols are in place to protect their athletes? How strong is the belief that the presidents in the SEC have that student-athletes are safer on campuses preparing for football games and ultimately playing in football games than just being regular students? How do the presidents justify saying no football, but hey, y'all come in terms of students on college campuses? How willing are the presidents to take the arrows that will fly from the national media if three leagues say, we are going to play? Let's walk through those three leagues when we come back. Just getting started with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Sports Talk Mississippi back with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Obviously, a lot of college football conversation today. Ceasefire text line, just a sampling of what is on your mind right now. Um, 
Tony in Columbia, bet you're behind. If Saban calls Sankey and says we're playing, it's a done deal. Uh, message here from a 601 number. It says, quite simply, it's over. I believed that for a big part of the weekend. And it may very well still be over. Maybe the case. But it's not over yet. And I think there's a chance. Jerry says, what about Conference USA? Um, Jerry, here's what I think about not just Conference USA, but Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and some of the other group of five conferences. To just put it candidly, I don't think they've got much power in the decision-making process. The group of five schools want and need to play football. But they need somebody else that does have the power to make the decision. And so if the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 say we're going to play, and that's going with the assumption that the Pac-12 and the Big 10 shut it down, which seems incredibly likely, then I think Conference USA will attempt to play. Not going to be everybody. Old Dominion shut it down today. Um, I think the Sun Belt will attempt to play. I think the Mountain West Conference is probably going to go along with the Pac-12. West Coast Conference is probably going to go along with the Pac-12. So I think that's where this is headed. Here's a message that says the public ain't got jack to do with it. Public wants my restaurant open. Ain't going to happen. Well, some restaurants are open. Yeah. Do you guys believe that, that, that public perception has nothing to do with this, or do you think that public perception and public support or denouncement does actually pay or play a role ultimately in the decision that the presidents are going to have to make? It's a really presidents, good question. Presidents have to go to the public at some point to ask for donations. You don't want to have to come back to them and go tell them, you know, or have somebody tell you, well, I would donate, but you canceled college football, so now I'm not going to. Okay. Very possible. That could easily happen. It depends on what really is causing them to make this decision. Because, let, let's be honest here, nothing changed from Thursday of last week to today. Nothing at all. The Big Ten released their schedule less than a week ago. Nothing at all on the coronavirus side of things has changed at all. Nothing. So what is the catalyst here? Why are they making this decision? I've seen some really smart people in sports media suggest that uh, we're talking about the wrong thing. That, yes, of course, the virus is a factor in every decision that they make. Let's not diminish that. However, um, the football team playing this year and what you would have to do to make it happen would be an admittance that they are special and that they are not regular students, and that there are schools that do not want to acknowledge that maybe they are different and change the structure of college football, that that is at least a factor in some of these decisions that in order to put the season on the right way, they would have to treat the athletes differently. And by doing so, it admits that they are not just pure amateurs anymore, and they don't want to do that. And Borky to dovetail with that idea... I think there is 
I think there's a great deal of truth that as big a deal as COVID is and health and safety are, the idea of the players banding together and threatening the golden goose scares the heck out of administrators. It feels like they are far more willing, far more worried about that, to punt this season to preserve the model than to save this season and disrupt the model. You know, though, I'm not I think that may be short sighted. I think the model is going to change, period. You, you, you think? You think that it's might going, be short sighted, Richard? Yeah. I, I mean, look, hey, that, I mean, you know, whether it changes right now or it changes in six months or a year, the model's yeah. changing. The wheels are already in motion. There's no stopping the train now. You're talking about it in Congress. It's over. It's over. Yeah. The, the question is, how much is the model going to change? Is it just going to be name, image, and likeness, or is that obscure ruling that we mentioned that nobody else is really talking about? I, I'm not like patting ourselves on the back. It's just not getting much play publicly. But the U.S. District Court of Appeals that upheld name, image, likeness with no limits and is now headed to the Supreme Court. The, the question on that front is how much is it going to change? This is what the NCAA. For, 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 you know, hey, Dad, they've been asking for help from Congress. The NCAA better be doing everything they can to get Congress to enact legislation and do it quickly before the Supreme Court rules on this and hands down a ruling that is irreversible. Yeah. This is what bothers me about the whole thing. I said it on the podcast, I'll say it here. The NCAA and the, or I guess the, the, the conferences are basically saying, Look, it's okay for you to go to class and be around all these other students and be in social settings and come to practice and work out. It's just that three hours on Saturday is the problem. That's the only problem. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's You're far less likely and, and to get sick from playing in that game than you are just being around the thousands of other students that are going to come to campus in a, in a week or so. And, and here's part of the craziness of all of this. Over the the overwhelming majority of classes are going to be virtual this year. They're going to be online. There is a very very small number of classes that are going to be in person classes on college campuses. Certainly, in, I I know less about the exact plans in Starkville than I do in Oxford. I'm hearing ten to twenty percent at max of in person classes on the Ole Miss campus this year. I would think but, the universities, and it's just my my thought. I don't know if it's true or not, but if they cancel football, they'll cancel in person classes. I think the in person classes were being held simply to have the excuse of we we need to have in person classes to have football. Maybe, but they're inviting all these students back to campus. Yeah, but I think that they'll 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 change that in the next week or so. I don't know that you can put that. Toothpaste back in the you, You're going to do the same thing you did in the spring? You're just going to send everybody home again? I wouldn't be totally surprised. I don't know that financially you can allow that to happen. Financially, you can't allow college football not to happen, but that's the, the path they seem to want to take. Mike says, first and foremost, I want football. That said, the argument of no football but come to campus for class being a bad thing is a horrible take. It's much worse than the alternative of we're not having face-to-face classes, but we are having football. 
Philip in Corinth says public didn't vote on local or state mask ordinances or gatherings. It has to do with local health care capacity and will vary area to area. Jake in the Delta said the ultimate reason has to be liability. Gibbs says, why can't they just postpone the season? Why does the only option seem to be play now or cancel the season entirely? Because they can't play two seasons in one year. They can't do it. And they can't guarantee that a season starting in February would go off without a hitch either. Gibbs says, I know they've already postponed it a few weeks, but I'm talking like November kickoff. That would be different, but if... I've read from enough people and seen enough former players, like former players that work in media now, even a guy named Jeff Schwartz, who I I actually really enjoyed his commentary, played offensive tackle in the NFL for a long time. This is a former NFL player, right? Not just some media idiot like us. Straight up said, our bodies cannot handle two seasons in one year. We can't do it. It's not possible. And that's a former NFL offensive tackle saying that he would not have been able to physically play two seasons in one year in college when he was at Oregon. Yeah. He's not the first one to say that. I mean, Cole Kubelik Kubelik said the exact same thing to us a couple of months ago. Um, Tim in Belmont says, check the stats versus H1N1. There was no pandemic then. Yeah, was it 600,000 deaths related to H1N1? It's still it, it, what Trevor Lawrence said, and we're up against a hard break. But what he said on Twitter is absolutely right. With, as far as it, he said, they're going to get sent home, and that's—I mean, maybe that does happen. It, what Haydad's saying, maybe that does happen, and they send everybody home and end in-person classes. But the football team themselves are safer when they're given incentive not to go do dumb college kid things. They're tested by protocol multiple times a week. They are. In places that are sanitized regularly, they are taken care of and there's oversight. You just send them into the student body as regular students with nothing to do, they're more likely to put themselves in compromising situations. Whether they go home or stay, the number of college football players that end up COVID-19 positive will be larger if they don't play football than if they do. And I don't think that's debatable. President of the United States has chimed in, where else, of course, on Twitter, about the college football season. Quote tweeting Trevor Lawrence's tweet. He says the student athletes have been working too hard for their season to be canceled. Hashtag we want to play. In another tweet earlier today, Trump said, play college football, exclamation mark. I mean, I don't really care about your political affiliation that much. You can get behind that if you're a college football fan. And Maybe but, not if you're a college football writer, but if you're a college football fan, probably so. Oh, that made some mad, especially Pat Forty today, did not like that the president tweeted in favor of college football starting, but... Um, Say what you will about the president, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, he sure knows how to fire up his base. And he's got a large base in the college football fandom. Yep. <laughs> he does. No question about that. Uh, that hey, a- any support they can get, uh, I'm all for. Uh, the question... So, so two questions I have. One... 
is the liability side of things. I've seen a handful of players in the We Want to Play movement say that they want to sign a waiver, but that doesn't sound like that's going to be something that'll happen. No, the NCAA um, has said that can't happen. Yeah. So they, didn't they say it, they couldn't do mandatory waivers? A voluntary waiver sounds like it would be seems like it would be different. Yeah, maybe I mean, you could sign a voluntary waiver, and if you don't sign a voluntary waiver, you're not eligible to play. I don't know well, if that, that makes it mandatory <laughs> or not, but well, I mean, yeah, but that's you have the op you have the option. You, you keep your scholarship, you'll be fine. You're not going to go anywhere, but you can't play. Uh, the likelihood, as we all know, of somebody their age, 18 to 22, uh, passing away from this virus is minuscule. They are more likely to die in a car accident on the way to practice than to die of coronavirus that they got at practice. But you have seen a Clemson player had to opt out because he's one of the unfortunate few where the coronavirus actually really affected him. And and he had to opt out of the season because he's, he cannot, he's not in game shape. It, it messed him up. But, All due respect to him for that. Absolutely. And his teammates, what, what's, what I find not funny, but so his teammates have seen firsthand that this virus, in some cases, can really hurt you. I mean, this is an elite-level athlete that now has to sit out because it, it got to him. He's one of the very, very few, but still. They've seen it firsthand, and yet they still want to play. But if something like that happens during the season, if a player gets really sick, has to go to the hospital, get put on a ventilator, What happens then? That's a very, very real possibility. You take care of that player. Did we shut down college football for the dozen or so deaths due to pre-existing heart-related conditions? when players died during summer workouts in the last decade? And I'm not being insensitive when I ask that. Please understand. I'm just saying tragedy happens in life all the time, in every walk of life, even in college football. But we don't completely shut it down. And according to Google, um, high school and college Football players combined, uh, we average about 12 fatalities a year. Okay. Uh, about one playing. per 100,000. Uh, Travis Ryer, who writes at Bama Online, uh, interesting tweet here. And, and I'll use this as kind of a bridge to where we're headed next. He says, you know who hasn't opted out? ABC, ESPN, CBS, Fox, etc. Carrot is still out there for any and all comers. He's right about that. Now, let's think about something. And I mentioned short-sighted earlier. College football may end up completely shut down. And, and, I, and we've got one texture who the second that it's announced there's no college football, he's going to be all over us because he's been telling us we're stupid for even talking about it. I'm sorry. It's how I make a living. We're going to talk about it. You don't like it, go find something else to do. Feel free. Forky has to quit his job because he made that bet with the guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um... Have you thought about this, though? Currently, let let, let me catch this. Do you guys remember how big a deal Thursday night college football games used to be? Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. You had SEC games. You had ACC games. I mean, 
some great ones. Florida State, North Carolina. Florida State, Virginia. Ole Miss, Arkansas. Obviously, the Egg Bowl still gets played on, on Thanksgiving night. Mississippi State, South Carolina. Huge. I, I want to say Missouri and Nebraska played on a Thursday night one year. Maybe I'm making that up, but, but you get the Florida point. on a Thursday night one year. There you go. Mississippi State and Florida on a Thursday night. Miss, Ole Miss and Tennessee played on a Thursday night in Memphis, no less. Yeah, with okay. Peyton Manning as the quarterback. Thursday night football on ESPN was a huge deal. It's not anymore. Maybe for multiple reasons. But do you know what one of the reasons is? That Thursday night because football... Because the NFL took it. Because the NFL took it. That is exactly right. It's the biggest reason you don't see marquee games on Thursday nights anymore. From Power 5 conferences. What, what, what does that have to do with any of this, Richard? The NFL has already made it known that if there is no college football, they will be occupying some of that prime landscape, just like they do after college football ends and the playoffs begin and they play on Saturdays. What's to say that the NFL says, we could have an exclusive window on a Friday night? So let's play this out. The NFL has an exclusive window on a Thursday night. An exclusive window on a Friday night. A game in the afternoon and a game in primetime on Saturday. A lunchtime kickoff slot, an afternoon kickoff slot, and an exclusive window on Sunday night. And then this little thing called Monday Night Football. The NFL will have fewer of its own games going head-to-head, more opportunities for viewers, and will own Thursday Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We know it is the most valuable property for networks. So let's just say that that happens this year. And then let's push into 2021. You think the NFL is going to go? Did you see the ratings we did on Saturday afternoons last year? On Saturday nights last year? Yeah, but we're going to have to step aside now because that's college football's landscape. That, that, that's, that's college football territory. We can't have that. You think they're going to do that? No. If the NFL 100%. comes in, they see the success they've had on Thursday night. They had a Friday night game. They crush it on Saturday. They crush it on Sunday. And then they own Monday night. They own five days of the week. They're not giving that back. You know who that affects? The SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Group of Five conferences. Because their primary media partners now have a really valuable property, a property that, frankly, is more valuable than the one they offer in those slots. That doesn't mean college football won't be on television. Doesn't mean that at all. But why would ESPN slash SEC Network make payouts in the neighborhood of a billion dollars a year to the Southeastern Conference? They won't have to. It's going to tamp down the market. Who does that affect? All the schools. 
That $50 million check that the 14 schools in the Big Ten are getting, the $46 million check that the 14 schools in the ACC are getting? Guys, financial times are not getting any easier if we don't play get back to work. And I'm using work generally. I'm talking about football, and I'm talking about storefronts, and I'm talking about restaurants and retail and universities and everything else. Oh, but Richard, you're being insensitive. Well, deal with it. Somebody needs to shove a little insensitivity down your throat if you think I'm being insensitive right now. Oh, but people have... I understand. It's sad that people have died. I'm sad that people are getting sick. The calamity that's going to come on the backside of this because of the economic repercussions and the mental health repercussions and the overall doldrum that we're dealing with will pale in comparison to the 160,000 deaths via COVID. It will pale in comparison. Just stop shutting it down. We gotta live. Gotta go. If you're extremely susceptible, you stay home. You protect yourself. And if you're not, you go the blank back to work and play and life and school school for God's sake I'm so in love with you you know what football is from 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 the day you start playing two-hand touch football in the yard all the way to the time you retire from playing the game at the highest level and have earned the opportunity to wear a gold jacket in Canton. Football is a calculated and an accepted risk. It's a risk that begins with parents making on behalf of their children And as players grow and get to the point where they're able to make their own decisions, it becomes a calculated risk that you make individually. You're making a calculated risk when you go out and let your kids play in the yard. I was playing a two-hand touch football. I remember this vividly. I was in sixth grade, spending the night with a buddy. There were four or five of us. We were going to go to a high school football game that night. What were we doing? We were playing two-hand touch out in the yard that afternoon. One kid a little bit bigger than me, blindside drill. I, I don't know that Borky, I, I mean, I, my high school career ended after my senior year. I don't know that I've ever been hit harder than I was in the side yard of my buddy's house when we were playing flag football when he just drilled me. <laughs> you know what I did? I hurt for a minute, and I got up and I kept playing. Michael Borky played high school football in South Carolina. He broke his neck. Played the next year or two. That was a risk that you accepted had to do some talking into with my mother in particular. But yeah, I mean, I laid on a spine board and talked to a surgeon about potential neck surgery. I mean, that was a real thing. And once I recovered and they told me that, look, you're going to be sore probably for the rest of your life sometimes, but you can't hurt it anymore. It's healed. And I was like, well, 
I got one more shot at this. I'm not playing in college. I'm not athletic enough. So, yeah, I want one more shot. And I didn't hurt myself my senior year. I played every game. It was great. So it worked out for me. But it was a, an awful experience. I spent 11 weeks in one of those upper neck supporting braces. Yeah. It, it sucked. But I would do it all over again one more time. And I would let my son play, too, if he asked me to. Chucky Mullins, rest his soul, took the risk. He ultimately lost his life. Hey, Dad took a risk when he was playing at St. Al. I feel like college the and people it, I had to block for, but well, that's well, true. Maybe so. <laughs> college and NFL players understand that CTE is an issue and have talked very openly about it. And you know what they did? Most of them said, I'm willing to accept the risk to play this game, either because, one, I love it, or, two, it's the best way for me to make a living. We take risks all the time. And to me, that's what's so incredible and and makes me want to throw myself through a plate glass window, not because I'm taking a risk, but because I'm so frustrated when some of these national writer people belittle the college athletes who are coming out on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else saying, we want to play. Mac Jones just did it, quarterback at Alabama. You've had Ole Miss players do it. You've had Mississippi State players do it. You've had Southern Miss players do it. Everybody in the SEC has got players that are coming out and saying, we want to play, and the people are going to say, well, they, these decisions are not going to be made. Presidents aren't going to be swayed by players who say, we want to, we want to play. Somebody's got to be an adult in the room. Oh, nobody's the adult in the room when we're talking about, you know, life-altering injuries potentially from playing the game. No, because it's generating money. Here's a direct quote from something Dennis Dodd wrote earlier today in CBS. The reason you don't let players dictate such a situation is because they're not considering all the risks. You consider the risk by playing the game of football. Dennis Dodd in saying that is saying... College football players, student athletes, are stupid. And they have had their heads buried in the sand for months. They're not paying attention to what's going on with COVID. They don't read things online. They don't watch news reports. Dennis Dodd is publicly saying, Hey, Mr. College Football Player, you are stupid. You are not smart enough to make your own decision about your own body. we got to have somebody else do that for you. How about the college football players that have said, I love this game. It's not worth the risk for me right now. It's not worth the risk for some family member right now. I'm going to opt out. And we say, we applaud them. We say congratulations for making what we know was a difficult decision, but was the right decision for you. So why can't we applaud the teammates of that guy who have stood by their teammates who said, I'm opting out? Why can't we applaud the ones that say, I love this game. We've worked too hard. I understand there's risk. And I'm willing to accept that risk because I want to play. We can't do that, can we? It's got to be one way or the other. When the players are doing what we want them to do, and I'm using we really, really loosely right now. When they do what we want them to do, oh, great job. That took a lot of courage to say I'm not going to play. And it did. And they should be applauded. But when you say, I want to play, you say, no, you're too stupid to make that decision on your own. Dennis Dodd. Put him on the list, too.
Winners and losers coming up. We got plenty of losers. Plenty. This is one of the best songs ever written and composed, in my opinion. Love it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Uh, a lot of you sent nice messages to me. I appreciate that. I'm not going to read them all um, just because. We will uh, we'll continue to uh, roll along. Um, he will create a collage of them and hang them over his bed at night, though. Yes, I'm going to print all of them, frame them, and hang them on my wall next you to see, my... You see, Jane? You see what people think of me? They like diploma. me. Uh, uh, Philip and Corin's question, though, about Herman Cain, and we had somebody else mention liability. Uh, I am completely missing this, because... If you are given the option to opt out and maintain your scholarship, I know you can sue for anything. I get it. Like, people sued McDonald's for hot coffee getting spilled on them and won, like, a million dollars. Okay, I know people sue people for things. But when it comes to liability and the responsibility being on the schools, if they are given the option to not only main, like stay in school, but they maintain their scholarship, and it's possible they're getting a full additional year of eligibility for opting out. So nobody is forcing them to play, and they don't lose anything they're given if they choose not to play. So at that point, why is the school liable when you are making a decision to play when you're given an equal alternative when you don't? Nobody's forcing them to do this. Nobody's forcing them to play. I don't understand it. I mean, of course they could file a lawsuit if something happened, but what are the grounds? You are given the option as a college football player, to stay in school, continue to study, get everything provided for you that already is, and you don't have to step on a practice field. Yeah. So why are the schools liable then at that point? I'm not a lawyer, so somebody help me out with that. I think it's more about... And I could be wrong. I think it's more about, okay, so a player gets, gets COVID, and then he gives it to other people who die. I think that's where the liability comes in. It's not so much the players, it's who had the op- who had the option to opt out. It's the people who come in contact with the players through whatever reason, and didn't have an op didn't have an opt out clause on that. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that front, hey Dad, because the reality is we're coming in contact with people every day, and we don't true. know who's got it and who doesn't. That's true. No, I mean I think the lawsuit you're talking about is a player plays and then sues because they were exposed in a game setting or a practice setting or whatever. And a player doesn't. That player's family does. Somebody rep- representing that player's does if something tragic ends up happening. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395. Be honest. You know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle. Backed by real support. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. Had a heck of a sports weekend. It's time right now for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. I'm starting on the ceasefire text line with Tim in McGee for a winner. 
Tim says, I had the virus. Yeah, it was bad, and I'm older. I had it bad. You know what I did after that? 13 days later, I took my beep and went back to work. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm stealing this one right off the top. So That was good, Tim. I like it. Uh, Colin Morikawa. I, I, I cannot immediately conjure in my mind the image of a golf shot that is better than the one that he hit off the tee on 16 yesterday. And at that what point, a great what, there was hole. like a seven-way tie for the lead or something like that when he hit that shot? Yeah. Or, it was insane. It was a crowded leaderboard. There were at least... Borky, I don't know exactly where it was at that point. He might have had a one-shot lead and pushed it out to... No, because that gave him a two-shot lead when he made that. That's what he got him to 13, lead so he, he was at 11. Eagle, yeah. Eagle point. yeah, so he was at 11. But, I mean, you had like eight guys within a shot of the lead at that point, either tied for within a shot of the lead. So the shot he hit was not, by professional golf standards, that difficult. Okay, now, by, by the way, let me, let me back up a second. Phil shot of the, out of the pine straw at Amen Corner. Bubba's big crazy hook. Um, Tiger on the putt on 16. There's some some shots or some moments that are bigger. But in terms of a 23-year-old making his 27th start on the PGA Tour and just his second major as a professional, to stand on the tee at 16, tied for the lead on a drivable par 4, 278-yard par 4. And by the way, as an aside, I'm going to give a winner within a winner. The folks responsible for the setup of TPC Harding Park, that's what it's supposed to look like. Risk, reward, 13-under wins it, but it could have easily been 10 if the wind had blown a little bit more earlier in the week. Could have been 8. It was a great golf course, wildly entertaining. Morikawa... 278-yard par four. Everybody's going for it. Nobody's hitting it that close. I said earlier when we started the show, the babiest of baby cuts. Just a little bit of fade on it. Heard an interview with Morikawa. He said, I didn't have to hit a big drive. I just had to hit a good drive. And he hit a good drive. And it hopped, and it rolled, and it stopped seven feet. And I loved the camera angle. I didn't like a lot about what CBS did in terms of coverage. I loved the camera angle where the only thing you saw was the putter head and the ball, and you could see the perfect line and the perfect rotation as that ball fell in the cup to get him to 13 over and on his way to his first uh, major title. Just remarkable. Big-time winner, Colin Morikawa. Hey, Dad, what you got? Kylan Hill. Okay. Uh, last Strong night- on Twitter. Well, last night on Twitter, ESPN, who I believe is known as the worldwide leader in sports, uh, tweeted a, a graphic. The, 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 the caption is, college football stars around the country took to Twitter to express their desire to play this fall. On this graphic, Trevor Lawrence, everybody knows who that guy is, probably the most bit famous face in college football. Justin Fields, probably right behind him. Two of the top quarterbacks, two Heisman favorites, two of the top teams in the country. Spencer Rattler who maybe not as well-known, but he is the starting quarterback for the University of Oklahoma. In a regular season, he'd be getting ready for the playoff come December. Fourth guy on that graphic is Kyle Hill. And will be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yes. Kyle Hill is the fourth guy on this graphic. The, hmm. the amount of, of, of notoriety he has brought himself in a year where 
You go back to January, he had declared for the draft. He could be in the NFL right now and making money and not having to deal with all this headache. But he came back, and he obviously couldn't have foreseen all of this happening. But he has created a legacy for himself that will never be forgotten in the state of Mississippi. That's the ESPN wanted to put the foremost recognizable college football players up there, and they picked Kylan Hill. That's pretty remarkable to me. A pretty remarkable offseason for Kylan Hill. Yeah. Off the field. Borky, yeah. give me a winner. Uh, the ACC and Greg Sankey, and so by default, the SEC. So this is news kind of breaking right now. Pat Forty said the ACC athletic directors met today and are, quote, moving forward in an attempt to play. And then you also had Greg Sankey go on Twitter. And, I, you know, I came on this show a lot and gave him a hard time about uh, the way the flag thing was handled from the league office. But you've got to give him credit for this. He has a well-thought-out uh, thread of tweets earlier basically saying, look, I don't know if we're going to be able to play but we're going to try. And so those two conferences in particular, not letting the Big Ten try to talk them into canceling their season together in a unified front, not panicking, making independent decisions, and trying to put a season on. So kudos to both leagues right now for being pragmatic, not reactionary, not caving, and making the decisions that are best for themselves and trying to move forward. So good on both of them. Any losers popping up? Uh, Top of mind? Where to begin? How about Brooks Kepka though? Talked a lot of junk Saturday night about Dustin Johnson mm. and the other guys in the field not having any majors. Which, and Which, in fairness, DJ didn't exactly get it done. He didn't. But you can't talk that junk and go out and play like that. But uh, even worse, golf media. And his post-game media opportunity, or post-game, post-round media ops. <laughs> Was not asked about it. Come on. You've got this guy out here talking junk to all his competitors. Get a quote from him after he blows it in the PGA Championship. You want people to like your sport. Get your players talking. So they're both losers. Look, Morikawa was not worried about where his next meal was coming from. This was his third win on tour. He's 23. He's got Adidas. He's got TaylorMade. He's got Zurich. He's got plenty of sponsors. I wonder if dinner tasted better last night. Late dinner, $1,980,000. That was the winner's check. Not bad work if you can get it. We'll continue with winners and losers next. When I wake up in the morning 601-879-4395. That's the number for the ceasefire text line. You want to jump in, you can absolutely do so. Your winners and losers from the weekend. Uh, Michael in Columbus uh, says, Corey Pavin, Forwood, 95 U.S. Open to lock it up, comes to mind as iconic. Great tournament yesterday. After all, it's the greatest game there ever was. Uh, somebody pointed out a second ago, though, that Corey Pavin missed the putt. Phil missed his, too, in the one that you mentioned on 13. Still birdied, but he missed that putt for eagle. Yes, you're right. Jason says, winners, anyone who has an original thought about any of this, I'm so tired of parrots on one side or the other. First nominee, Michael Bork, uh, Borky, for his early morning show yesterday. Well done, baby Borky. Yeah, I had, I had a little bit of fun yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I did. 
Loser Brooks Kepka, big dose of humility delivered on Sunday. But will have any impact on the arrogance? That's from Micah in Athens, Alabama. Thanks for listening in Alabama, Micah. Great to hear from you. I hope not. I hope he keeps talking like that. But I want golf writers to ask him about it after the round. Hey, you called out some guys around you. And uh, what do you think about your performance today after uh, the comments you made yesterday? Get him mad at you. That's good. That's good for you. It's good for him. It's good for your sport. Fire him up a little bit. Um, hey, Dad, did you have a loser? I'm not doing losers this week. There's enough losers in all of this. I got another winner. Give me another winner. Dame Lillard. Not that his team has been winning a lot. I get that. But he has taken for me the mantle of Kobe Bryant. He is the biggest trash talker in the league. Underrated as it. Completely destroyed the Clippers trash talking them the other day. Made Paul George look like a fool. And then he went after a guy who... Along with Dame Lillard, I have very little respect for Skip Bayless. I will now quote from Twitter after Skip tweets, I'm not buying Dame time. Damian Lillard, I have never been buying nothing about you, fam. You a joke. And after a private convo full of backpedaling, you will never have my respect. Clown emoji. I don't have much time in the day for Skip Bayless. I always consider him like a wrestling character. You know, he's like Triple H. He's he's not actually trying to hurt people. He's just doing what his character entails. I don't believe Skip Bayless believes a word he ever says. But he's a joke to me, and Dame Lillard uh, got on that plane with me. So I hope I hope the day comes that Dame Lillard plays a game as a Los Angeles Laker because he is the, the regen, re- regeneration of Kobe Bryant to me. Yeah, but wouldn't he be doing what he was claiming he would. the other guys were doing? I'll worry, about that when the, chasing. I'll worry about that when I get there. So hypocrisy is okay. No, no issue hey man, there. I'm, I mean, I got no problem with hypocrisy. Hey, I'd love to see it. Here's a winner for you. There were over 1,800 submissions to the flag commission, and they got plenty of leeway in choosing and picking and altering designs and doing some other. Because ultimately, the job of the flag commission is to present one flag to the legislature and to the governor on September 2nd that will ultimately go on the ballot for a thumbs up or a thumbs down ballot. A vote. And so out of the 1,800 or so submissions, the Flag Commission has made its first cut. They have narrowed it down to hundred and uh, about 150. I don't remember if it was 147 or 150, but about 150. So a pretty significant cut. And of the designs that are out there, by the way, you can, uh, you can look at them on the Mississippi Department of Archives and History website. I think that's what MDAH stands for. There's some pretty good options. Now, there's some out of the 150 that are going to be easy to call before this final round because the next thing the Flag Commission is going to do is is cut the 150 designs down to five and then ultimately make a decision as to which one is going to be presented to the governor and the legislature that follows the guidelines to go on the ballot. You think the one with the mosquito on it is going to make it through, through to the final five there? It's the Stennis flag, or now called the hospitality flag, with the star in the middle removed and a big old mosquito put right in the middle. That somehow made the cut. Isn't there really like a a grounded argument that could be made that the state bird in Mississippi should (laughs) actually be the mosquito? What is the state bird here? Mockingbird. It's the mockingbird. I feel like that's something I should know.
What is it in South Carolina? Uh... <laughs> also feels like something you should know. <laughs> the, 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 the president, the chairman of the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce over here doesn't know the, uh, the state bird. I know this, this state dance is the shag because we had to learn it growing up in school. The shag? Y'all, first of all, there's a state dance? Apparently. You know, shagging on the boulevard. I don't know. You've heard that song before. Sure. No, probably not. Um, I do have some questions, uh, some flags that, that are fascinating, like some that I have questions about. Uh, there's one that kind of looks like Mexico's flag, except both bars are, are green, so it's not red, white, and green. It's green on the ends with white in the middle and a big old magnolia. There's one that kind of rips off Arkansas's flag. There are a couple that look like um, like Apache quilts. One that goes a little bit of an argyle pattern out on the uh, the ends. One that has kind of a uh, Puerto Rico look. Ooh, some that I just don't get. Period. There's more Argyle. I mean, Argyle's not exactly the way to describe it, but kind of Argyle. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, design choice. So the process is they will pick one and then put it up to the people to vote yes or no, and if it's not 50 plus one vote, they put up another one, and we just keep doing that until there's a majority vote? 100% yes. Next step for the Flag Commission, as I said just a moment ago when you were doing something else, is to narrow the 150 down to five. And then the five will be narrowed to one, which will be presented to the governor and the legislature on September 2nd. And then it'll be put on the ballot. Well, And it's got to be a majority. See, I, I was asking for a reason. So, in theory, we could be doing this forever. Because, in perpetuity. I mean, that, that's, the that's why I was... Wren, by the way. Oh, I'm sure it's wonderful. I have no idea what it is. Um, Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I... And by the way, square dance is the state dance of Mississippi, according to, to Google. thought it would have been the Hey Dad Shimmy, but that's okay. Shares it with other states uh, as well. But why is it not like the commission picks three and then we vote this, that, or the other? the majority other. of Mississippians I, to say yes. Right. So this, that, or the other, and then you eliminate one, and then one or the other. Because we could be doing this was... thing forever. In perpetuity, theoretically, uh, there was a great deal of horse trading that went on to get us to the point where there was a change that was made, and some of the horse trading was the process by which a new flag would be selected. This doesn't feel like a horse, though. This is like a, a, a pony. Uh, it's, it's an expression. It's it's a bargaining expression. I, I know, but I'm saying... Yes, like, I know, but I, I wasn't sure you knew. It's like a donkey, <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> somebody traded the wrong thing here. Go back to the barn and find something else. I mean, that's the thing. Everything was up for negotiation. I mean, the the in God we trust being on the flag, that was one of the chips that was used to get certain segments of the Mississippi popul- population to support the change. Anyway, the reason I even brought the flag thing up was thumbs up to all of you that submitted designs, some more than others, but thumbs up because... You ended up with some really good options there. I, I think there, are, I think there's some options that can absolutely be a great representation of the state of Mississippi going forward. 
Absolutely. Still think our three faces should have been on one, but take what we can get. I got a I got a loser, but not like a bad loser, like a bummer loser. All right, go ahead. Uh, Mississippi Today reported this. Instead of teeing off in the U.S. Amateur Monday, today, at Vanden Dunes in the Pacific Northwest, Cohen Trollio and his father are making the long trip back to Mississippi in a rental car after the young golfer was diagnosed with COVID-19. Oh, gosh. Such an unbelievably talented player. What, final four last year, right? Didn't Cohen and Ogletree play each other in the semifinals last year, Borky? Is that right? Trust me on that one. Yeah, we'll take your word for it. The answer is yes. You know the answer. Yeah, Andy Ogletree, who... Uh, went on to win the U.S. Amateur. That was a golfer at Georgia Tech from Mississippi. Uh, he and Cohen Trollio met each other, and Cohen is the son of EJ, who's a longtime teaching pro um, at uh, at Old Waverly. So, and, uh, such a bummer. Would have been fun, fun to watch his progress over the uh, next few days. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. I want to go through an exercise when we come back. Not that kind of exercise, hey, Dad, just a mental one. Thank God. (laughs) I don't understand how otherwise smart people sometimes connect dots. All my friends. Dan Wetzel. Smart guy. Good reporter. After Brent McMurphy tweets, more news. Mountain West cancels fall football season because of COVID player health and safety concerns, sources told Stadium. League will consider playing in the spring. Mountain West and MAC are first two FBS leagues opting not to play, bringing total to 26 FBS programs. To which Dan Wetzel replies, Mountain West joins the MAC. I'm pulling the plug on fall football. Just looking at that. Oh, that's a typo. It's a typo. I, I hope he's trying to say. I think he's trying to say pulling. on pulling the in pulling the plug or on pulling the plug. That's not. That's that. I think you're. I think it's a typo. We'll come okay. back in a few minutes and that'll be deleted. Okay. I well, look. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. All right. uh, before we before we do this mental exercise, I just want to say something. Mm-hmm. Nashville chicken mattress Barry Bonds hockey. Well done, friend. That's going to be up there forever now. I'll never be. By the way, if you are looking to in the future break into Brian Haydad's one of his accounts, future password will be (laughs) Nashville Chicken Barry Bonds Mattress Hockey. Um. A couple more that came in on the ceasefire text line that were winners from the weekend. I want to. Give them um, maybe I don't. <laughs> All right. All right. No, no, there they were. Sorry, I, I, I scrolled across a couple that were like, "Come on, man." Uh, Strider in Indianola, winner Indianola Academy Pee Wee football hashtag. We want to play. Come on, SEC. 
Also, winner, Kevin Harvick. Back-to-back wins at Michigan this weekend. That is from Richard. Okay. So the middle exercise that I mentioned is this. we got three leagues that are reportedly going to make a decision whether or not to keep moving toward football season. And, and newsflash. Newsflash. If the presidents vote today or tomorrow or Wednesday, that doesn't mean we have a football season. That just means they're not canceling the football season on August the 10th. Something could happen. Between now and then, that causes it to ultimately be canceled. But everybody's kind of talked about reaching the tipping point. So here we are. So you got the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. The Big 10 hasn't officially announced anything. It feels like a long shot for the Big 10 at this point. I'm considering the Pac-12 to be done, even though they've not announced anything official. I don't know if those conferences announcing will cause Dan Wetzel to pull the plug on football or not. We'll see. You guys keep checking to see if he corrects that. So... Ultimately, it's going to have to be the presidents that vote, right? The presidents are going to have to make a decision. How are those votes going to go? Are any of them going to be unanimous one way or the other? No. I agree with you on that point. So let's start with the Big 12. I think based on the comments from Jamie Pollard, the athletics director at Iowa State, There is no question Iowa State will be a yes, let us play. I don't know about Kansas and Kansas State. I I don't know. Oklahoma, yes or no? Yep, that's a yes. Oklahoma State, obviously yes. And so that gets us to the state of Texas. Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. Am I missing one? That's it. Four in Texas, two in Oklahoma, two in Kansas, Iowa State. Who's the 10th team? Oh, West Virginia. I think West Virginia is going to be a yes. And so without really having any idea what they're going to do in Kansas, that strikes me as, at worst, 8-2 to two in the Big 12. They now, did there are a lot say, of people saying it's closer than that. Yeah. And so, and what would, is it just a simple majority? It, does it have to be six to four? Or, or what does five to five do in a vote like this? I think five to five probably shuts them down. Because if you had to have a tie break, it probably would come from the commissioner. If the commissioner says, we've got five presidents to say don't play it, he's probably not going to play it. Unless Texas tells him they have to play it, in which case they'll play it. Sorry. There's a lot of truth to that, though. It's actually 12 votes. Texas and Oklahoma get two votes each. Everybody else gets one. (laughs) If this doesn't go through, what Scott Frost said today, I'll I'll have the audio ready for tomorrow, and I I could probably get it ready for today if you want to play it, but he was giving an interview. I just saw this. And number one, he said, uh, here's the thing about not playing this year and playing next year. Um, We have to, like this Putting on this operation costs a lot, 
And we have to make money to be able to put on the product. So we don't have any money coming in. How are you sure that we're going to be able to afford to start back football next year? And also, um, he said, when it comes to the scheduling and the Big Ten's vote, he said, we want to play a Big Ten schedule. We hope that we can. But we'll play anyone, anywhere, and we're looking at all options. Yeah. All right, ACC. ACC has geographic issues. You know, at least with the SEC, you're talking about kind of a, a part of the country that not exclusively, but generally, has kind of a like-minded thinking. Not to say that there aren't independent thinkers out there. So we'll get to the SEC in a second. But the ACC has got... They stretch from the southern tip of Florida to Boston and have a bunch of stops in between. So it's Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and South Carolina and Virginia and then up to New York, or not New York, but New Jersey for Rutgers, Boston College, Pennsylvania's in there. So what do you think about the vote in the ACC? If Pat Forty was correct earlier, they're pushing forward. Yeah. And everything I hear is the ACC has the votes to go forward. And here's some uh, breaking news for you that goes against what was reported earlier. Remember, the earlier reporting today was the Big Ten's vote was 12 to 2. According to a guy that covers Ohio State for the Columbus Dispatch, the newspaper there in Columbus, uh, Ohio State's president w- favors delaying the season, not canceling, and she would vote no and a cancellation vote whenever that takes place. See, again, as we mentioned earlier, there was not a vote. There was a bit of a straw poll, apparently, that happened with the Big Ten presidents on Saturday night, I think, with reportedly Nebraska and Iowa being the only two that said yes, play. That gives a little more context But with James Franklin coming out so strongly today, Ryan Day coming out so strongly, Jim Harbaugh coming out so strongly, etc. It makes me wonder if that vote maybe is not as ironclad as I think. Honestly, though, I'm going to be surprised if the Big Ten moves forward. I want to be surprised. I want everybody to play. But what about in the ACC? Rutgers would probably be a no. Especially because they wouldn't be allowed to vote. Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Never mind. Jeez. Can we get these things geographically lined up the right way? Well, we might now. We'll we'll start with putting Missouri in the SEC West. Once that happens, we'll figure the rest out. So Duke will probably be a no. Virginia... Probably a no. Virginia Tech would be a yes. Clemson would be a yes. Don't know about Miami. But again, all the reporting is the ACC thinks they've got the votes to move forward. So what about the SEC? 14 member institutions in the SEC. Texas A&M, resounding yes, right? Absolutely. LSU. Reigning yes. national championship uh, champions, remind you. How do you think uh, President LSU will vote? Yes. 
Mark Keenum and Glenn Boyce. Voting yes. South Carolina. Yes. Tennessee. Yes. By the way, there's only one no. There's only one no. I think Vanderbilt is probably the only no maybe. I just don't know enough about the president at the University of Florida. Not Bernie Matchin anymore. Um, so you think it's thirteen to one or twelve to two in yeah. the SEC? Yeah. Arkansas would be a yes. I was told today Missouri would be a yes. Kentucky, yeah, may I don't know. I think a yes. You can't have foot, basketball without football. Kentucky votes yes. I think you're. I think that's a really good point, hey, Ed, and that's something that hasn't been brought up a lot. I think if you vote no on football, you're voting no on basketball as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Chris in Madison says that Vanderbilt and Ole Miss would be the only dissenting vote, said that it would be 12-2. to 2. Yeah, I don't think that's the vote you're going to get out of Oxford, Chris. I don't think so. Much of people saying Vanderbilt will be the only dissenting vote. I mean, I was talking is there about any this doubt? Buddy of my... Say what? Is there any doubt that Vanderbilt would be no? All we've learned about the way they run their athletic department this this year, there's no way they're not voting no. I, I was talking with a buddy of mine. We were kind of going through this little exercise that we all just went through a second ago, and I said, but in reality, should Vanderbilt even get a vote? Like, shouldn't it be the 13 other schools that vote and Vanderbilt, because of how they have demonstrated the way they want run their athletics department, just we're going to tell you how it's going to be, and you can either come along for the ride or not. If you come along for the ride, there will be a check for $46 million, give or take, waiting for you in May, June of next year. And if you don't, we just won't send you the check. We'll split your, your cut 13 ways. That would be an interesting thing that the, the conference could do regardless. Like anybody who votes no, our next TV contract, you, you're forfeiting your payment. Yeah. You know what's really fascinating to me? I mean, there are lots of things that are that are interesting out of this debate that's going on right now and all the news that's coming out. Two sitting head coaches in the Big Ten, Scott Frost at Nebraska and Ryan Day at Ohio State, plus a player at Ohio State. A player from Ohio State tweeted earlier, can we just go play in the SEC this year? And one of his assistants, Brian Hartline, I think was his name, said, yeah, yeah. let's go do it. But Ryan Day, the head coach at Ohio State, and Scott Frost, the head coach at Nebraska, have both said, we want to play in the Big Ten, but if there's no football in the Big Ten, all options are on the table. We want to play. I was thinking about that earlier. I mean, if now uh, apparently reporting as Ohio State's president is not in favor of a cancellation. And the Big Ten trying to start on time was always a mystery anyway. It was kind of odd. I mean, why would it go from, we're not going to start on time, to we're going to cancel? Why not go from, we're, we're going to start on time, to, you know what, we need another month. Let's start on October 4th instead of September 4th. Let, yeah. Let's start there. But anyway... There's Dan no Dockage. Uh, you, you know Dan Dockage, the ESPN yeah. basketball analyst, hosts a radio show in Indianapolis. He says, according to a text I just received, hearing Big Ten football quote ain't dead yet. Close quote. You know who deserves all the credit for that? Ryan Day and Scott Frost, players and coaches. Trevor, yeah. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence, Justin Fields. 
I mean, whether or not he earns it on the field, if there is a football season, I think Trevor Lawrence probably deserves the Heisman. Just give it Because he was him. the most valuable player in college deserves football this it, year. Yeah. Just for the hair, he deserves it. But seriously, if the Big Ten decides to cancel their season, there's no possible way Ohio State is not playing football this year right. if somebody else does, right? There's no possible because, way. Think about it like this. Their kid, this kids are going to want to play. So if they, they don't play, and the SEC and the ACC, and let's say the Big 12 are open for business, their talented players are going to leave. <laughs> I mean, is Ohio State really going to start back up with a, a, you know, a 40-man roster full of you know, some three stars and a bunch of kids who always dreamed about being a Buckeye? I mean, what are they going to do? If I'm LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is gone. Ohio State has a really good running back named Master Teague. Go get him. If I'm Mississippi <laughs> State, Chris call. Olave, roll out the red carpet. Get that kid down here. You need receivers. If you're Ole Miss, you're hitting up, you're hitting up every player every they got on defense. Every defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah. All of them. My gosh. It does make you wonder. And I was listening to your friends uh, on Jocks this morning, Richard, and they actually had a caller uh, call in and ask, do you think the Big Ten did all the stuff they did last week with their schedule announcement and stuff like that, delayed this decision that they knew they were going to make because they wanted to avoid their rosters getting poached? Hmm. Because now kids have moved in. This sim- I'm breaking, I don't know. Kirk Herbstreet just tweeted, To be clear regarding Big Ten football and their impending announcement, they are looking to delay the start of the season, not to cancel it. Delay until when, though? I don't know. You know what's really... Not the spring, I mean a later date. I had a lot of people who were like, The SEC's getting played. Greg Sankey's getting played. The Big Ten's already made an announcement. They've got a brand new young commissioner, and he's just... Pl- you remember when I said the goal here is not to be first. The goal is to be right. Was maybe the model that the SEC went with the right way to approach it? Let's give ourselves a little more time. And, and hey, how about this? What if we looked at it and said, and Borky, this is, I think, what you were alluding to a second ago. September 26th might not be the right date. We might need to go to October 10th. Okay. What if we had to go to eight games instead of ten? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Cut the Fair two enough. you added. That simple. Arkansas, Missouri fans. Arkansas <laughs> rejoices! Please! Yes, sir! College Football Fix is next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. On this Monday afternoon, want more fast and less furious? Switch to C Spire Fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service from the other guys. With C Spire Fiber, you get gigabit speeds, over 99.99% reliability, and local 24-7 support, so nothing slows you down. See if C Spire Fiber is available in your area right now, online at cspire.com slash fiber. 
Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. That's been hopping today. Time for us right now to hop into the college football fix. hear that music this fall. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Summer sales event going on right now. Great savings on the full lineup of SUVs at Ford. Plus, you can check out the F-150, the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, was on a radio show with Clay Travis this morning advocating for the playing of college football this fall. Rod DeSantis is hopeful that other Power 5 conferences will be able to to play. He said the Big Ten college presidents may have a different sense of this. I think the Southeastern Conference, ACC, most of those institutions want to play because I think they see how important it is for the well-being of their student-athletes. I'm 100% in favor of it. He went on to say, you don't do what the Big Ten does. you got to do what's right for your institutions. And I think here the safest thing is to play because I think it is, again, the best environment for our student-athletes. In terms of college football-age players that are testing positive for COVID-19, he said very few of the folks in that cohort are becoming seriously ill just because you test positive Most of these athletes really never actually end up getting ill. Now, one thing that's out there, there's a story that's on ESPN, is that five players in the Big Ten who have had positive COVID-19 tests have also had heart-related issues that have been detected. Now, that story doesn't talk, at least not that I've seen, about whether or not these were pre-existing conditions or if COVID is just automatically being blamed for those heart conditions. And that's important. I mean, right? That's I'm not. Look, there's some that want to paint me as, oh, Richard is, what, anti-corona bro or whatever the way he is that you describe it. No, I understand that this is complicated. And I understand that people have died. Lots of people have died. And every single one of those deaths is tragic. Every one of them. And I have friends that have that that fall on both sides of the the COVID positive testing. Some who have tested positive and had had zero issues. Some that have tested positive and have kind of whipped me for a couple of days, but bounced back pretty quickly. And a couple of people I know that have tested positive that. I mean, it just knocked them flat on their back and thankfully have recovered fully since. We got Tim and McGee telling us earlier today that he had COVID-19, had to quarantine for 13 days, felt terrible, but he bounced back and went back to work. And what makes the timing of all of this stuff today bizarre, I mean, that's the question, right, is what changed from Thursday to today? And the answer is really nothing, especially if it's just virus trends that is changing this. Greg Sankey has mentioned multiple times that that's what they're looking at, is they they need the the trends to change. Well, it's still early, so we don't need to count our chickens before they hatch. Trends are really good right now. 
If you look at the map, I've got the CDC's website pulled up in front of me right now. Since the 17th of last month, we're going in the correct direction. 25 states have seen a marked decline, as opposed to six that have seen the opposite. We are going in the right direction, so making this call right now when you could just push back a few weeks, and if this trend keeps going the way it's going, everything will be safer. I'm looking at the from the Center for Disease Control map right now, and, and the case trend is a good one. Maybe that'll change, and it, it certainly changed because it got a lot worse not long ago. But now we're back in the right direction. So, I mean, that's that's the thing here is what what has changed because they're not looking at the trends because those are positive right now. Right now being the key word, but and they're and positive in Mississippi. We're finally starting to kind of flatten out and trend in the right direction as well, right? Kind of. I mean, it's not massive, but I mean, the governor said today at the beginning of his press conference, got to keep doing what we're doing. Things are moving in the right direction. Um, What, yesterday, and I know the numbers tend to be a little bit lower on Sunday, but new cases reported as of 6 p.m. on August 9th, 476. That's progress. And we'll see what tomorrow is. I mean, if it's back up to twelve or 1,300, that's not as much progress. But if tomorrow we get Monday's numbers and they're in the you know six to eight hundred range compared to where we've been, that's finally moving in the right direction. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. We're glad to have you along. Did you guys see the uh, the brawl in Major League Baseball? A's and Astros. Yeah. Apparently there is more to the story. Ramon Lariano was the uh, player who was hit by a pitch three times in the game by the Astros. Now this is not the other way around where somebody from the A's is hitting an Astros player three times in a game, sparring a brawl. Lariano is a fo- well maybe should be. Lariano is a former Houston Astro. He was drafted by the Astros. Was with them what from uh, 2014 to 17. Then when he uh, made the transition to Oakland, some say he's got the best arm in the outfield, in all of baseball. Lariano, following being hit by the third time, signaled out to Humberto Castellanos, who was pitching for Houston, kind of showed him how he needed to snap off a slider. It's like, hey, let me give you a little pitching lesson so you can throw it in the strike zone instead of throw it in the middle of my back. But that prompted a response from the Astros bench, and... uh. Centrone, the, uh, let's see, the coach for, bench coach, Alex Centrone for Houston. So, according to Lariano, Centrone uttered an expletive at him, which Lariano returned. Then Lariano told ESPN Centrone, quote, said in Spanish something you don't say about my mother, close quote. Following the exchange of words, Centrone, as shown on replay, stepped out of the first base dugout and motioned for Lariano to come at him, which he did. 
the bench coach stayed behind the Astros players who tackled Laureano to the ground. Wasn't much of a fight, by the way. I don't know if you watched the replay or not. Rarely are. Major League Baseball's coronavirus protocols strictly discourage fighting, and the league is currently weighing disciplinary measures. While Laureano is expected to be suspended, Centrone, because he is a coach and is expected to set a standard of behavior, stands to receive a significant lengthier ban. Ban, sorry. Laureano says he expects to be suspended, but he hopes it's not too long. And said that he was cool with the Astros. He said... The other days I've been on base, we've been chit-chatting, talking about life and family on the bases. Everything's great. I get along with everybody on the Astros. And he pointed specifically to Astros catcher Dustin Garneau, who tackled Laureano right before he got to the bench, said, quote, he was protecting me 100% the whole time. I really feel the respect. He's one of the best teammates I've ever had. He protected me. We were down on the pile. He said to me, you good? I said, thank you, thank you. He said, don't worry. Mariano says, I regret charging him because he's a loser. Talking about Centrone. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I like that. Mariano says, at the end of the day, I'm here to win a World Series with the Oakland Athletics. This wonderful group of guys. I don't want to be a distraction. Obviously, I am right now. Hey, I've already moved on. I'm facing Julio Tehran today, and that's all I'm thinking about right now. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Morky, I know we have some big mosquitoes in Mississippi, but that mosquito on the mosquito flag is massive. I still think that the uh, Michelob Ultra crawfish flag was a winner, but, you know, again, nobody asked me. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't make it. Why would we go Michelob Ultra? There are plenty of great breweries here in the state of Mississippi. Let's keep it local. Can't just single one out though. Maybe it's more of a. Well, then just put an ice cold beer up there. Just pick beer in the glass, you know. It just yeah. Get the can away. Uh, LSU athletic director Scott Woodward has released a statement. We remain steadfast in our approach in the Southeastern Conference, taking all the available time to gather as much information as possible in order to make informed decisions. We are united in our process and our focus on the safety and well-being of our student athletes. The recent flood of reports surrounding college athletics does not alter that approach. We've said since the beginning we are patiently working through each and every variable following the direction of our return to safety and medical guidance task force. I believe our student-athletes want to play. We owe it to them to make every effort to do so safely. Greg Sankey, the uh, commissioner of the SEC, earlier today tweeted out, And I thought this was pretty good. Best advice I've received since COVID-19. Be patient. Take time when making decisions. This is all new, and you'll gain better information each day. Close quote. He went on to say the SEC has been deliberate at each step since March. Slowed return to practice. Delayed first game to respect start of fall semester. Developed testing protocols. We know concerns remain. We've never had a football season in a COVID-19 environment. Can we play? I don't know. We haven't stopped trying. We support, educate, and care for student-athletes every day and will continue to do so every day. 
I mean, it's not necessarily like super warm and fuzzy from Greg Sankey, but he does say, just, just paraphrasing here, chill out. We are, we are taking this on a day-by-day basis. We don't have to cancel anything. We don't have to make a decision today. We're continuing to work through all of this. And good practice doesn't start for another week, scheduled practice. And isn't that scheduled practice a longer camp than usual? Yeah, an extra week. And, I mean, they could even delay the season. They could, I'm sure, but that's that's what I've not understood about this entire thing, is why the rush, what changed from Thursday of last week to today, and then... On top of all of that, I have yet to see a good counter for why it is safer to take football away from these kids and just let them exist on campus where not everybody, everybody they encounter, if, you, if football gets canceled and they become regular students, they won't get tested twice a week, sometimes three times a week anymore. Uh, they won't have anybody caring about what they do anymore. Because they're just regular students mixed up, mixed up with the student body. Uh, they won't have a season to incentivize themselves to do the right thing. That's gone. Uh, they don't really have a reason to not go to the party on Friday night anymore. So why is it safer to have them not play football and just be a regular student than to play football and get tested all the time have oversight where people are constantly asking you where you are and making sure you're in the right place and doing the right thing, where you have games to prepare for and a reason to do the right thing. And because you're practicing and at the facility and stuff, you are kind of insulated from the rest of your student body. Why is it safer to end football and just allow them to be regular students when all of the oversight and testing and medical advice and tracking and everything is gone. I have yet to see somebody explain why it's safer to do that. It isn't. That's, there's hypocrisy there. It's, it's, it's much more dangerous for these guys to go to class than it is to play football. I believe that. You know Everything about the football from their end and from the other team's end, is strictly controlled and monitored, and it's locked down. Nobody's checking anybody's temperature walking into uh, English comp. Nobody, Nobody's running any tests. Nobody's doing anything of that nature. You're just showing up to class. Now, I, I don't know if it is at Ole Miss at State. There's a mask mandate, so there's at least that, but that's all there is. So, yeah, that's that's the hypocrisy in all this. It's much safer for these guys to be playing football than it is to them sitting next to some student who was God knows where the week before. Some interesting stuff that's out there on Twitter today. Uh, this was from a few hours ago. Ralph Russo says, this is where I believe things stand. Big Ten trending out. Pac-12 trending out. Big 12 on the fence. ACC, SEC moving forward. Ross Dellinger says that the SEC, uh, the Sun Belt will follow the lead of the SEC, the American will follow the lead of the Big 12, and the Mountain West will follow the lead of the Pac-12. Well, the Mountain West maybe now leading the Pac-12. They've shut it down. Uh, John Talty 
pointed out earlier that in an ESPN story, Alabama running back Najee Harris says that he would sign a waiver to not sue if he contracted COVID-19. And said if there's actually momentum around that among the we-want-to-play group, it could lessen liability risk in eyes of college presidents. Arkansas Athletic Director Hunter Juracek on Feinbaum earlier. We're not going to panic because another Power 5 conference may be making a different decision. There's no need to rush in making those decisions. Feels like almost a unified front among the SEC athletics directors and kind of the statements that they're making. Nick Saban told Chris Lowe from ESPN, I know I'll be criticized no matter what I say, that I don't care about player safety. Look, players are a lot safer with us than they are running around at home. Ole Miss Athletic Director Keith Carter. We are blessed with some of the most passionate and hardworking student-athletes in the nation. As administrators, we will fight for their health and safety, as well as their opportunity to compete. Hashtag, we want to play. Ole Miss Coach Lane Kiffin. Our players want to play. Our staff wants to coach them. I'm so proud of our team. Hashtag, we want to play. Um... Representative Anthony Gonzalez, a Republican from Ohio and a former Ohio State wide receiver, spoke out against the Big Ten's potential decision during an interview with Sports Illustrated. His quote, I personally think it's a big mistake for the kids to have the experience ripped away with no say and at the last minute it feels wrong to me. Mississippi State AD John Cohen, love the passion, perseverance, and resilience shown by all our student-athletes especially during these ever-changing circumstances, we will continue fully supporting our student-athletes, coaches, and staff while keeping their health and safety the highest priority. Brett McMurphy reports the Sunbelt Conference plans to follow the SEC's lead and play sports this fall. A lot of statements. And an interesting trend in the last 18 hours. And Borky, I think it started with a player at Penn State who said we want to play. And then Trevor Lawrence turned it into a hashtag, but you'll forgive me for Phil Realmuth, the Remuth, I think is who it was at Penn State. Trevor Lawrence changed the conversation for college football. And I don't think there's any other way to look at it. And he has the least to gain by playing this season. He said he wanted to come back. Right. That's that's my point. Is he's yeah. he's just a ball player. He's a, he's a good a kid with a good head on his shoulders. Has the least to gain from this season. In fact, coronavirus shutting down would guarantee he's the number one pick next year, giving him millions and millions and millions of dollars if Clemson did not play football. Agree with you. And he's the one doing it. That's an integrity move, is what that and is. And I think that's why it's so powerful. I mean, this is a guy that has won a national championship, played in a second one, put up massive numbers. And I mean, Borky, I could not agree with you more. If they don't take a snap this season, Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick in the draft. And there's no debate. I mean, I guess unless somebody falls in love with Justin Fields through the offseason... But those guys go 1-2, probably. 
I think Justin Fields is on record as saying we want to play. Oh, he's he's been in lockstep with all of this, yeah. So, I mean, the two quarterbacks that have been first-team All-American in every single publication's preseason All-American polls are leading the charge of we want to play. Pretty strong. And all those sports writers that were accused of, oh, they don't want to see football, they're kind of having to change their tune a little bit. The way these stories are being reported all of a sudden, a little bit different than it was a day and a half ago. Well, when I'm Steve, yeah, it threw me out the door. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Come back sometime when your bitch is on the wall. <laughs> what I miss? Uh, well, maybe the next segment I'll, I'll try to get Richard. Yeah, you got to get Richard on this, see what All he right, does. We'll, 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 we'll do it hey, next segment. He purposefully sent me a link to something the second the camera came back on to see what my reaction would be. Mm. Um, yeah. All right, what's your reaction to this? We know reporters are digging like crazy. And there's a lot of good reporting that's going on. There is. I mean, we, we you guys, I mean, I, we don't have to outline it. There are a bunch of reporters I'm not fans of. And I think aren't necessarily all that smart. But there's some people that are doing really, really good work. And say what you want about Pete Thamel. But he's pretty, pretty dialed in on college football. He's writing a story, or there's a story on Yahoo that it says the headline is, and I mean, it's a column slash reporting. As college football stares into abyss, players deserve answers. Big ominous headline. I got an issue, though, with a quote in the story. And tell me if I'm reacting wrong to this. So a bunch of unnamed sources. This unnamed source is a high-ranking official at a Power 5 school. And I'll read it to you, but, but my thought going in to reading this to you is, if you're going to make a quote that is this damning of college athletics, you probably ought to be willing to put your name with it. Here it is. Rather than prepare for every scenario, such as the spring model, as any efficient, well-managed organization would, we collectively buried our heads in the sands of hopes and prayers. Our reaction to the obvious deterioration of our country's response to this virus was to solve problems by shortening seasons and shifting to conference-only models. It was all performative. College athletics is the only multi-billion-dollar business in the world with no leadership structure or decision-making apparatus, and it's been catastrophically exposed. I'm embarrassed to have been part of this exercise in failed leadership. Does it bother you that whoever gave that quote, knowing that it was going to be part of a column on a national site, wasn't willing to associate their own name with it. 
if that's really what you think about college athletics, I think you should put your name on it. There's another example of that that I saw over the weekend. The aforementioned Dennis Dodd ran a story with this quote in it. One longtime Power 5 AD said, quote, It's not fair what we're doing to our coaches and student-athletes. The sooner we can come to a finality, the better. Now, if you really thought that this was unfair to your coaches and your student-athletes and that it needed to end, be a man and end it. If you think it's unfair, why are you letting them go to practice every day then? Why are you letting them prepare for a season? If you think it's unfair, end it. Because you have the power to do that. Old Dominion in the Conference USA ended their season. The other 13 teams are still playing. At least Old Dominion, the leadership there, had the intestinal fortitude to make a decision they thought was right. And they're putting their name on it. This guy, whoever was quoted in this story, isn't a leader at all. Hiding behind anonymity in a quote about how it's not fair when they're not doing something about it when they have the authority to do something about it. And could have been doing something about it since day one. They could have, they could have been way out in front of this if they had chosen to be, but they didn't. So yeah, that that's. I anonymous sources have their place. There are times you have to use them, and there are times where somebody gives you information that is yes. not. You know, it's just that's just part of being a me. I know a lot of people get upset about that, and that's where a lot of people want to cry fake news. There are times where you do, you have to use anonymous sources. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. Whoever said that should have been willing to say. You can use my name. Dennis Dodd says, Power 5 update. ACC, absolutely intending to play. SEC, taking it slow. Big 12, still confident in the season. Big 10, reports would suggest canceling tonight. Pac-12, presidents voting tomorrow. I just don't think that's accurate, right? When we we heard earlier, I mean, who do do you trust more, Dennis Dodd or Kirk Herbstreit? In this Kirk Herbstreit said they're not voting to cancel tonight. They're voting to postpone. Which would make sense. And would be yeah. which would be a call that I think everybody could get behind. If you said if you put your hands up and said, guys, starting on time was that's not a good idea. We don't have time. Let's try to start in October. And we'll go from there. If that's the decision they come to That's smart great. business there. Yeah. yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Here's the thing, and I was I was talking to to Joel Coleman about this after we recorded today, you know the SEC, they have the 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 conference championship game set for the nineteenth, but they can have that game whenever they want. They can just tell the Mercedes tell Mercedes Benz Stadium, hey, we're coming on this date, and they'll be like, yeah, stadium will be open, no problem. They want that business, so you can you can you can do whatever you want here. This is the first time in in, in history where you have complete power to you know. If games need to be rescheduled, if, if too many people, if you have to quarantine some people and we need to cancel a game and bring it back, you have the, the flexibility to do whatever you want in this situation. Because if you're, especially if you're just playing only conference games, you can, you can make it work. Dan Mullen tweets, I'm so proud of our players. They're committed to medical guidelines to stay safe. Uh, their commitment to medical guidelines to stay safe has showed their resolve in preparing the right way for the season. They deserve to play this fall. They worked so hard for this. Let's fight for them and find a way. Hashtag we want to play. Oh, yeah. And I think it probably going back to the Dodd thing, it feels like he mischaracterized the SEC part too, right? I mean, taking their time. They intend to play too. 
Right? Or am I just yeah, overthinking San- that? Sankey's, no, no, you're not over. Sankey's, Sankey's comment was one for patience and all that, so maybe that's where he's getting it from. But right now, if you put feet to fire and said make a decision, they would say play. So they're taking it, their time to make I, sure I, they do everything correct and I'm make sure everything's you, in place. At the SEC level, going into the weekend, it felt precarious. Very precarious. And I don't think Saturday felt much better. And then things on Sunday slowly started to turn a little bit. And again, I'm giving a ton of credit to Trevor Lawrence because it got the ball rolling on the on the, the we want to play trend. And boy, it has been an avalanche today. An avalanche today. From coaches, from athletics directors. And again, maybe you've missed this. Maybe you've been working today and you haven't been glued in on college football and Good for you if you have. You had two sitting Big Ten head football coaches. Ryan Day at Ohio State and Scott Frost at Nebraska. Head coaches of Big Ten teams that said, we want to play in the in the Big Ten. But if we can't play in the Big Ten, we still want to play. If that means in another conference, so be it. Can you imagine if the SEC were rumored to be shutting it down and Nick Saban, who is the equivalent to Ryan Day in, in the Big Ten, I'm not saying they're the same, but I'm talking about in terms the of level of their the, job. the leader of the most powerful and most recognizable program in the conference. Nick Saban, Ryan Day, Alabama, Ohio State. If Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron, yeah, but Scott Frost and Nebraska aren't that okay. level. Well, I mean, let's um, go. Let's go up a notch. Oh. Gus Malzahn. Well, that's two from the same state. Let's say Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, just for argument's sake, came out and said, "And we're all SEC, and we want to play an SEC schedule." But if our conference shut th- shuts this thing down, then we're willing to go play anywhere. That means playing in the Big Ten, then so be it. Can you imagine Nick Saban saying that? Ryan Day is Nick Saban's equivalent, the head coach of the most powerful program, the biggest program, the richest program, the most successful program in the Big Ten and he said, we want to play in the Big Ten, but if we can't play in the Big Ten, we'll go play somewhere else. We want to explore all our options to do that. I don't know if they actually have those options or if that's just a soundbite. It's the head coach at Ohio State saying, if we got to go play in the SEC, we'll play in the SEC. And Greg Sankey would make sure they got to play Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> And Missouri. And Vanderbilt, too. And Vanderbilt. All right.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.